0: And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Well, thanks for tuning in, I guess it is, to this week's teaching. As we mentioned in a video or two this past week, the plan is each Sunday morning, we will release a teaching like this on our website by 9 a.m. so that you can listen to it with uh, your family or by yourself or with a small group of people from your life group or whatever the case may be. So here we are in my wonderful basement office turned studio for this week's teaching. I decided to shoot this thing in front of my bookshelf not so that I could amaze you at how many books I have or have read most of those I have not actually read all the way through just to be honest but the reason for shooting it here was it was either this or a cinder block wall and the cinder block wall made it look just a little bit like I was in jail so bookshelf it is uh, so just we'll make this thing work uh, for the time being for the next few weeks or a couple months or whatever the case might be uh, this is just what we're gonna have to do and so if you have have a bible or a bible app nearby turn with me to james chapter 4 james chapter 4 We are going to touch on one other passage before we get to James, but we will be there here in just a bit. So, I I think I mentioned in our last video update that we were going to do a short series called Hope Right When We Need It that kind of surrounded the coronavirus and everything going on in our society right now. And while we are still going to talk about all of those things and about hope specifically, the more I prayed through it and sort of processed through it, and, and specifically, the more I talked to you guys about. About it, uh, the more I felt like we should actually take a slightly different direction for the next few weeks than we had previously planned on. So I think there are actually a few different ways that people are responding out there to both the coronavirus and the interruptions to life that the coronavirus is forcing us to make. Some people, for instance, are experiencing various levels of fear and anxiety about it. Others that I talk to are more just bothered by the interruptions and inconveniences that all of this is bringing into our daily life. And others still, I think, are more just thrown off by the amount of considerations and precautions that we now have to take because of the virus in our society. So there are several different responses. And so what I wanted us to do for the next few weeks is take each of those responses one at a time and sort of speak into them from a biblical perspective. And so that's what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks, at least. So I've heard some people ask the question, uh, did God send the coronavirus? Did God cause the coronavirus? And while I certainly understand the desire to know the answer to those types of questions, I'll just be real honest with you, that's not really a question that the scriptures answer. The Bible never claims to answer the question, where does evil and things like sickness come from in the first place at sort of a philosophical type of level. So the truthful answer to those types of questions are, I don't know. And to be honest, I don't know that even if we had those answers to those types of questions that they would be all that emotionally satisfying to us in the first place. In other words, I don't know that it would make evil and suffering and sickness any more bearable at a practical level to know why they exist in the first place. But all of that said, here is what I do know. Here is what is abundantly clear from the scriptures is that God has the ability to work through things like this, things like the coronavirus, both for his glory and for the good of those who love him. That's what we read about in places like Romans eight twenty-eight, where it says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So in light of that, what I think is more helpful is asking and answering the question, what is God wanting to accomplish through and in the midst of something like the coronavirus? How might God, through something even this massive and disruptive and devastating, work for the good of those who love him? So that is what we're going to spend our time trying to answer for the next few weeks in these teachings. What is God up to through things like the coronavirus? And today I want us to talk specifically about what God might be trying to accomplish through the helplessness and fear and anxiety that all of this triggers in a lot of us. And so that's why I want us to look at James chapter four. So let's read this thing all the way through verses 13 through 16, and then we'll sort of unpack it for the next little bit. James four, starting in verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. That right there, I think, has to be one of the truest and yet most undesired statements for most of us to hear, right? You do not know what even tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So as most of you guys know, uh, about a year and a half ago, our church family inherited and then began renovating a building, which as you can imagine, was a pretty huge undertaking and transition for a church that is very young like ours is. And what's crazy is that just about a year and a half before that whole process was actually when we began meeting weekly for the very first time as a church. That was also a pretty big transition for us. And so once we finished the renovations, the end of this past year, we as your pastors began thinking to ourselves and, and even saying to a lot of you guys, uh, finally, 2020 will be the year of no massive changes or transitions or interruptions for our church. This year, the year 2020 should just be a normal run of the mill, uneventful year for us as a church family. Cue the coronavirus pandemic of 2020 that not only has a huge impact on us being able to gather on Sundays, but is also having a massive impact on how we gather and stay connected to each other in our life groups, too. It has disrupted how we go about doing most everything in our church at a practical level. So, so much for the year of no transition, right? So that is an example, I think, of we as your pastors learning the hard way what James is trying to teach all of us in this passage that we just read. What James is saying is that we should be careful not to say, oh, I know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know what's going to happen next year. I know what my plans are. I know what I'm going to do and not do. I'm in control of all of those things. He says the reason that we shouldn't do that, the reason we shouldn't approach things that way is because truth be told, we don't know what even tomorrow holds for us. Knowing the future is not in the cards for you and I as human beings. That is not something we're capable of knowing. So in light of that, James says, we should instead say, if the Lord wills, here are our plans for the future." Now, just real quickly, I don't think that this is meant to be like a legalistic thing for us as followers of Jesus. I don't think James intended to create environments where you and I are like texting about grabbing lunch with each other tomorrow. And I say, okay, I'll see you there at noon. And you go, Don't you mean if the Lord wills, you'll see me there at noon? Like, I I don't think James is intending to create like a Jesus juke type of environment with what he's saying here. I don't think that's the vibe he's going for at all. But at the same time, I, I do think that he is noting that often our words reflect what is in our hearts. And if we are constantly making plans and wheeling and dealing with while pretending that those plans aren't subject to change at all, that they aren't subject to interruptions and adjustments and delays, if that's the case, if that's how we go about life, James is saying we might just be in for some unpleasant surprises. Because as James mentions, you and I are a mist one that appears for a little while and then vanishes and to refuse to come to terms with that reality about ourselves and to instead operate as if we're the ones that call all the shots and we're the ones that determine reality, that is to fundamentally misunderstand our place in the universe. And that is where I think this particular passage might intersect with our cultural moment in history. Because if there is one thing that the coronavirus spreading across cities and states and countries and continents reveals to us as human beings, it's that we are not even a little bit in control. We're not in control of our circumstances. We're not in control of our schedules. We're not in control of our health. Like, I don't know about you guys, But just the idea that the next couple weeks of my life could be determined by whether or not I contract a certain virus that I can't even see and that I might not even know I have is hard for me to even process. And it might not even matter how many happy birthdays I wash my hands for. If I touch something between when I do that and when I touch my face, it might not matter. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel quite literally out of control. But here's the irony. Us not being in control did not start with the coronavirus. Friends, we have never been in control. It's just that we often convince ourselves that we are, right? It In an age of insurance policies on almost everything we have and FDIC-backed bank accounts and Roth IRAs, we have turned feeling in control into an art form in our society. And listen, having those things that I just listed out are not wrong. I'm not saying that. Heck, I have all of those things myself. But having those things and our society being structured in such a way where we have so many of those things... It does make it easy for us to buy into the lie that we are immune to surprises as human beings. And in days like the ones that we are in right now, I think at least one thing that God wants to do is he wants to reach in and pull us back into reality. That we are not in control and that we should not bank on being in control as a way to go through life. You know, periodically, I think we actually hit moments in life like this. Moments that expose to us that we are not actually in control of things. So a family member goes to the hospital. You experience some type of financial emergency or someone in your family or someone you know and depend on loses their job. There are these moments that happen in life where we have to admit, at least briefly, that we do not control the things in our world. But for a lot of us, in those moments, we tend to respond by doing anything in our power to regain some sense of control. If we can't control our circumstances, then we try to control our health. If we can't control our health, then we try to control our money. If we can't control our money, then we try to control our kids and our kids' behavior and so on and so forth, not being in control is a crazy difficult lesson to learn. And sometimes we war against it with everything in us. But if what James is saying is true in this passage, these moments when we realize that we are not in control aren't just moments to get through or get past. They're actually portals into the truth. They are gracious glimpses from God into the way things actually are in the universe. They're not just unpleasant feelings to alleviate as fast as we can. They are moments to embrace as gifts from God, as opportunities to realize who we are and who God is, as chances to accept that there is something better out there than being in control of every single detail of our lives at all times. There's something better out there like knowing the God who can work through those moments, knowing the God who can leverage even the most out-of-control scenarios for our good and for his glory. Just a few moments ago, we mentioned Romans 8, 28. I want us to look also at the two verses that follow that. So This is Romans 8, verses 29 and 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Right now, in in a cultural situation like nothing most of us have ever experienced firsthand before, God is working for the good, for the glorification of those who love him. He is working through one of the most trying times in recent world history for us to form each of us into the image of his son. So listen, I, I am not here to tell you that everything is going to be okay. That's not a promise I can make. I'm not here to tell you that better things are just around the bend. I'm not here to tell you that the best is yet to come. I cannot make any of those promises to you. Instead, I am here to tell you that if you are a follower of Jesus, the God of the universe, the one who holds the sun and the moon and the stars in his hand, is ferociously, unwaveringly for your good. That's what I'm here to tell you. I am here to tell you that there is no scenario in which God will not be for your good. And believe it or not, that is a promise better than any other promise out there. That is far better than anything we could ask for. And the writer of Romans 8 actually tells us exactly how we can know those things are true. Down in verse 32 of Romans 8, he says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God the Father did not even withhold his own son for you and for me, don't we think he can be trusted with everything else? If he did not withhold the most precious thing to him in the universe, don't we think he will give us what we need for today? As we try to say often around City Church, we do not look to our circumstances to know whether or not God loves us or cares for us. If we want to know if God loves us or cares for us, we look to the cross. And there we see God saying, here is my son, my very flesh and blood offered up on the cross for you. Look to that and know once and for all, I can be trusted with the rest of it. As the great hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So the question for each of us in the room in in this season and in all seasons of life, the question is, how are you planning to let God form you into the image of his son? That's the million dollar question. And we're going to get into some specifics on what that might look like next Sunday. But suffice it to say, I would hate for you to miss it. I would hate for you to miss what God might want to accomplish through a season like this. I would hate for you to miss what God might be doing. I would hate for you to be so focused on when this thing is going to get better and when this thing is going to be over that you completely miss God's purposes for you in the midst of it. So let me just ask you, are you willing to let God do what he does? And that's form each and every one of us who know him into the image of his son, Jesus. That's the question that all of us have to answer. And if we can get there, if we can say yes to that, if we can say, yes, I'm ready for God to do whatever it is he wants to do to form me into the image of Jesus. If we can say yes to that question, we might just come out the other side of this thing better off than we were before. More mature than we were before, more filled with the Spirit than we were before, and more like Jesus than we were before. God can do any and all of that, even in days like these. So let me pray for us, um, Father. Uh, Man, we just admit that um, we are missed. God, we're here one moment and the next moment we're gone. And so God, I I, I feel like a lot of us just need to start off by confessing that uh, we do not run things in the world. And God, if we did, it, it would not be going well for us or anybody else. God, we would not be good at running things around us. And so, God, maybe we should just start by saying uh, we want to let you run the world. We want to assume that you know what's best. And, and God, we want to honor you by following your lead. And so uh, in the coming days when uh, no doubt um, we'll be put in odd scenarios that we've never been in before, when we're forced to make adjustments to our life and our plans that we never anticipated having to make. God, would you help us to remember that you're in charge? God, would you help us to remember that um, none of this caught you by surprise? None of this caught you off guard? God, that you are and always have been working for the good of those who love and follow you. So God, would you help us in that process? Would you give us the grace that we need for today? And would you keep us from stressing out about the things that we don't know that are coming tomorrow? God, as your son Jesus said so clearly, sufficient is each day for its own trouble. So God, would you help us to trust you day by day? Would you help us to Um, ask the question, what are you wanting to do through all of this and to let you do that? God, we ask this in your name for your glory, for our good. Amen.